1: I was just telling the fellas, I don't like Derek Carr. I'm not big on Derek Carr. Oops, what did I do there? My big fat face is ready for Christmas, and I hope you are too. Merry Christmas, everyone. We've got Sil- Oh, no, we don't. we got Tommy Waddle joining us. we got Dusty May, Florida Atlantic, as they get ready to take on number four, Arizona. we got a monster for you. They don't know why I was looking up there. I should be looking right here. That's where the camera is. Don't at me starts right now. A very Merry Christmas to all of you as I continue to rep the OutKick gear. Remember, calling all OutKick fans, those you beautiful people that are on our chat right now and others across the globe, OutKick moves. January 3rd, we're moving over just to OutKick.com. You can still watch all of our shows live by just doing that. Press a button watch wow there we are amazing you can also get videos on the youtube channel it's your one-stop shop for all the great program the unafraid the unfiltered all of the good stuff that we here at Outkick strive so hard to bring you every single day and we're really good looking look at all the good looking people down there and i don't even care if that's misogynist or sexist or whatever we are we're a very handsome crew and we're very excited to be back on the mother ship as we like to call it all right I love this story because, I don't know, I get tired of the media. And you should, too. We should all be tired of the media. The media lies to us. Media doesn't tell us the truth. And media is not our friend. However, Mike McDaniel, who is the coach of the Miami Dolphins, and by the way, down here in Florida, the one thing you got to understand is there are a lot of Miami Dolphins fans. Lee and I, we had date night last night. You know where we went? We went to the Barnes and Nobles. We did. We went to the Barnes and Nobles. I got a couple books because I would rather read books than sit around watching TV unless there's a good game on, which there was last night. I'll get into that. But anyway, date night last night showed me a lot of, well, younger, if that's possible in Naples, because Naples is 172 years old, Miami Dolphins fan. In fact, I asked one, I go, why are you Miami Dolphins fan? He goes, I love Coach McDaniels. I go, really? I go, yeah, I love Coach McDaniel. What do you love about it? I just different, the kid said. I go, really? What's different about it? I'm not afraid to speak his mind. He dresses like a like a younger guy, just like I said, okay. Well, McDaniel gave his players clearance to do something that, well, frankly, we should all do. He gave his players clearance to tell the media to go F themselves. That's right. Take a big flying leap, you clowns, you garbage stained media guys. Here's the deal. He said, Look, go tell the media adios, goodbye, go F yourself. Here's what he said. Mike McDaniel, the thoughts are firmly with getting better from the previous game. Yeah, and as I talked to the team today, I instructed to the players and anything other than that to concern yourself with the next opponent, which for us is the Dallas Cowboys, any other narrative that has to do with good teams or playoff seeds or the next three games, well, all that stuff is uh, no good. All that stuff is garbage all that stuff doesn't do us any good i gave them clearance to tell all members of the media to with all due respect with all due respect f off with all due respect because all we're focused on is the dallas cowboys and they definitely deserve our attention so as we clean up our game from the previous we'll be thinking about that and the narratives will be what they will be and we're not really concerned we know that's going to exist but it's really inconsequential for what we're trying to do. He's right. He's absolutely right. His problem, however, is that his quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, is always in the media. I mean, always whining, bitching, moaning about the media. Now, while Mike McDaniel is saying, hey, look, we don't want to hear it, Tua Tungavailoa... Well, let's hear from Tua a few weeks ago about Ryan Clark.
2: I mean, I think we all worked hard throughout the offseason. Um and I'm not someone to talk about myself the entire time, but I mean it takes a lot. You think you think I wanted to to build all this muscle like not to some extent like I I wanted to you know, I wanted to be a little lighter. There's I know there's a mixture of things that people don't understand that people don't know about that are talked about that go behind the scenes. So, you know, I'd appreciate if you kept my name out your mouth. That's what I'd say.
1: Well, there you go. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, to a tongue of Iloa. Now that's what he said way back. Now he's saying that he doesn't pay attention, but he keeps receipts, which is it. See, here's the deal. In the world that we live in, it is nearly impossible for athletes or media members to not pay attention. See, people get on me because I search myself. I learned that from Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee's like, you got to search yourself. And three different times I saw people advertising that I was going to be somewhere, and I knew I wasn't. It was fake. It was phony. And I called the people up, and I said, what are you doing? And one of the companies didn't even know they were doing it. They had a social media guy that thought he was being cute. You got to search yourself. You got to pay attention. There's too much garbage out there. But to say you don't care is disingenuous. I love disingenuous. I do. But nobody pays more attention than Tua Tungavailoa. And maybe, just maybe, that's why Mike McDaniel is saying what he said. Look, I can tell you all to go F yourselves because you do pay too much attention, and I want you not to pay too much attention because the Dallas Cowboys are coming in, and it's the biggest game of the year. In fact, it's such a big game that I'm thinking about going. Yeah. I haven't thought about going to a college or a NFL game in a long time, but I'm thinking about going. It's only a couple hours away. I'm thinking about getting uh, whoever wants to go out of our house and going over there. Maybe we'll get in a fight. I don't Maybe we won't. But I got to tell you, stop it with we don't pay attention. You have to pay attention in this day and age. Speaking of paying attention, I thought this was pretty funny. <laughs> So North Carolina plays North Carolina state and it's rivalry week. It's the last game of the year, all this kind of stuff. And Dave Doreen is a coach at North Carolina state, North Carolina state beats Mac Brown. Mac Brown is by all accounts, a really nice guy, blah, 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 blah. But the truth of the matter is Dave Doreen wants to beat Mac Brown and he wants to beat him back. Well, after the game, somehow, some way, Dave Doreen, the coach of North Carolina State, didn't understand the cameras were rolling. And he called the North Carolina players pieces of, sh- starts with an S, ends with a T, and it isn't shoot. Let's put it that way. So he calls them that. It gets out. And Mac Brown's feelings are hurt. Now, my thing is this. When you come in a locker room, after a game, all bets are off. I mean, I know college basketball coaches are supposed to dance and get water dumped on them. I think it's great. I think that's fine. I think that's fun. I think let's go. But all bets are off, particularly when you win a rivalry game. Don't you think? Like, you know, you're in one of those big buildings downtown Indy or downtown New York or L.A., and you just close a big deal, and sometimes the words don't come out absolutely right. But Mac Brown months later is still all upset about it. The last ball game with a rival school after the game, the head coach of that school called our players pieces of him. I apologize for the language, but I've never heard something like that before. I'm disappointed. It's not true. Really? No, Mac. We thought that's literally who your players were. Mac Mac's making a big deal about it because apparently he's done eating, And when Mac's done eating, he's got to do some talk. See, Mac Brown is one of those guys. that's always going to get you beat in the And he had one great year and it was a great year. Vince young, led Texas to a national championship. And you got to give Mac Brown all the credit in the world. But I remember being on shows saying, man, you guys love Mac Brown. Mark Packer and I used to do a show on Sirius XM radio. And I'd be like, yeah, you guys think Mac Brown, stop it. He good enough to get you beat late. And he got beat late and now he's still hurt. I'm sure there's some kind of recruiting element in here. Dave Doreen has called and apologized, but I love this stuff. We didn't play in that well. They didn't play well in that game. We didn't coach well. In that game, it's been very well documented. I got that, but you don't call kids a piece and I've addressed it with our team. I would never, ad- what are you addressing with your team? Hey, you know, the other coach called y'all piece of crap. I'm sorry about that. These kids are one of the top academic groups in America. They represent us well for me speaking for them and their parents. They really didn't appreciate being called pieces in Never heard that before. Very, very disappointing. You know what, Mac life is full of disappointments. It just is. As I say all the time, when the doctor smacked you on the ass, he didn't say life is going to be easy. He didn't say you're just going to go through this world with no disappointment, no heartache, no anguish, no nothing. What he said was, I'm going to make you cry. Whap. It's the first cry. Everybody had the first cry at the hands of a doctor. Big deal. Lungs cleared. Eyes, ducts cleared. World got good. And you can only go up from there. So disappointment happened. Who cares if you're disappointed, Mac Brown, play better. As the great Bob Hebenstreet used to say, hey, play better. And if you don't know who Bob Hebenstreet is, go to Nick's English Hut, sit at the front bar and say, hey, tell me about Hebe. Then everybody will. But Mac Brown, put down the fork, start coaching, start recruiting, beat your rival, and don't worry about it. I get it. You're trying to play a victim here. Everybody tries to play a victim here. I don't like victims. Speaking of victims, I feel sorry for these victims. There's an Alabama football player. Now I want you to think about this. There's an Alabama football player that literally, literally, ladies and gentlemen, got arrested for what? Drinking, driving? No, 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 no. Drug? No, 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 no. Assault? No, 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 no. Now, you know what he did? He knowingly. Gave a woman, I think it's a woman, knowingly gave a woman an STD. Knowingly, allegedly knowingly, transferred an STD to another woman, Elijah Pritchard, an offensive lineman. Now, first, who's having sex with offensive linemen? I mean, those slobs laying on top of you, sweating, eating a hamburger Costanza-style in bed. Who's having the sex with a big, fat offensive lineman? What are you doing? So this guy's got himself an STD. This dude, I don't know what the STD is. There's all kinds of different things. But the man here decides, I'm going to go throw it around. Eh, I don't care if there's warts down there. I don't care if there's open sores. I don't care if I got little crabs running down there. Eh, what are you going to do? I'm going to go throw it around because I'm big, fat, offensive lineman, and I play at the University of Alabama, and I can throw it around. All right. So Elijah Pritchard got arrested. Elijah Pritchard got arrested for, well, transmitting an STD. It is a class C misdemeanor, which means it'll all be dropped, which means it's not going to be that big a deal unless the woman, the other woman got herself an STD and it's one of them permanent ones. Hell, I remember Uncle Teddy came back from the war. He wasn't really my uncle, but I worked with him at IUN, Indiana University Northwest, Gary, Indiana. We worked on the grounds crew. He was an older guy. He used to go have a couple beers every lunch. So I went with him one day and Uncle Teddy told me about the war. And he told me about the crabs he got. Oh, Danny, you got to get blue ointment and a fine tooth comb. I'm like, well, that's gross. I don't want to ever have crabs. But that ain't the bad ones. The, the, the granddaddy of them all, of course, is AIDS. But then you got, when I was in college, herpes became a thing. You don't want that. You don't want none of these things. And this guy decided he was just going to sling it around. He's a freshman offensive lineman. Hopefully, he learns from mistake. He's been humiliated. He played in all thirteen games, so he's a pretty good football player. But now he's got to live with being the STD guy. It's like when I when when I was working at Emma's, they came to me and they want to pay me a lot of money to take uh, to advertise for erectile dysfunction meds, and I gave him a stupid number a month. I think it was like, all right, you pay me ten thousand dollars a month, I'll do it. And they're like, all right. And I said, no, I'm not doing it. I am not going to be a erectile dysfunction guy. I'm not going to be walking out of the Colts game going, hey, can't get it up. Danny, can't get it up. What? No, I was not. At 10000 a month, I probably should have taken it. But there are certain things you just don't want to be known for. And being known for the guy as the guy that gave others willingly an STD, not great. Yeah, my, uh, one of my former players, Brandon Pardon, whenever we would win at Bowling Green, we would get in a circle. You know how, I don't know, I think guys fake prey now, going back to Mac Brown. You know how guys fake pray. Well, oh, Heavenly Father. We used to laugh when Calvin Sampson, we would hold hands and pray, And I'd look at all the criminals in our locker room and they'd wink at me, you know, that kind of thing. And I'd be like, these dudes are just praying they don't get caught. That's all they're praying for. I used to make fun. I go, man, you dudes are just praying that the police don't show up at the crib tonight. Oh, coach, man, what are you talking about? Shut up. You know what I'm talking about. But yeah, we used to get in a pile. If we beat Miami, we'd go F Miami. That's right. And if Mac Brown don't like it, and here's all That's why you're out of coaching, dog. Yeah, okay, it is. Whatever. Hey, remember we told you about George Pickens? George Pickens is my least favorite football player maybe ever because George Pickens gives no effort. He winds on every pass. His team loses because of him, and Mike Tomlin doesn't have the stones to understand. A talent is corrupting the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is because Pickens, by all accounts, and Deontay Johnson, the other wide receiver, apparently they have talent. But they are absolutely locker room killers to the point where they've had fights in their locker room. And, oh, by the way, it's no coincidence that with those two, quote, talented guys on their team, they can't win a game or score any points. Yeah, that's how talented George Pickens is. Well, it really came to a head the other day when George Pickens decided he was not going to block down the field. And George Pickens, with, well, that education that could only come from the University of Georgia, I ain't want to hurt, get injured. I ain't want to get an injury. Yeah, he ain't want to. Go get him. A lot of kids couldn't get into the University of Georgia that had like 4.0, but I ain't want to get injured, got into University of Georgia. Wonder why. Anyway, George Pickens, his teammate, running back, Jalen Warren, did not exactly come to his defense. Warren said, hey, see where he's coming from, right? I mean, okay, you could get injured, but hey. It is what it is. At the end of the day, he was doing what he thought was best for him. Some people play the game differently. If I was in that position, I would have blocked for him. But we play differently, so that's about as big an indictment as you'll ever hear from one player to another player, and it's really a big deal because what it tells you is, no matter what the talent level supposedly is of T. Boone Pickens or whatever his name is, His teammates are tired of. And when your teammates are tired of the most talented guy, the alleged most talented guy, or one of the most talented guys, guess what? Your team goes to hell in a handbasket. And really what the culture of the Pittsburgh Steelers has been for 30, 40, however many years, it don't matter. It don't matter even a little bit. And this is a reminder for everyone in every walk of life and every business. It just takes giving in to one idiot to ruin a culture that's been built for a lifetime. And really the Pittsburgh Steelers have built this for a lifetime. I've told you before, there was a day when the Pittsburgh Steelers weren't very good. It was a long, long time ago. I was a very little kid, but the Steelers and the bears were always horrible. Then Chuck Knoll came along and then the Steelers got great, not good. Great. Then the Steelers maintained it under bill coward and they maintained it under this guy, Tomlin. And that guy right there on the right, George Pickens, he, Deontay Johnson are destroying what was built. Now you can blame it all you'd like on whoever you would like. You could blame it on Matt Canada, but this is a bigger issue. And this is an issue for all coaches. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Don't let some whiny ass guy that can't help you win tear down your program. Now If he decides to get talented, see, here's what you do as a coach. You take a chance. You take a risk. You make it him or me, me. I'm staying you. You got a choice. You either play the way I want or your ass is not playing. You're not going to be active. You're going to be a healthy scratch. And I don't give a damn what you do with it. I don't give a damn where you go. That has to happen. Did it twice in my career. Both times the player acquiesced to me. Both times the player became the player of the year in the league. One of them got to the NBA. When you got a guy like that, you're going to lose with him anyway, doing it his way. You might as well do it your way. And I'm very disappointed, frankly, if Mike Tomlin – now that's coaching. I just gave you coaching 101. You know, coaching is not, hey, look, look at this great sideline out of bounds. Uh, no, that's just practice it. Coaching is how to handle T. Boone Pickens here, or whatever the hell his name is. Hey, college basketball last night. Look at our Hoosiers hitting threes. Yay, rah. Time for cigars, smokes, fine wine, and steaks, baby. Indiana beat Northern or North. I don't even even know there was a North Alabama University, but apparently there is. And Indiana got her done at home. Yay, rah. Go fight win. Purdue took on Jacksonville. I went, and beat, I, was, I, I went and interviewed to be the head coach at Jacksonville. I knew the history of Jacksonville. I knew about the world's tallest cop. I knew about Ernest Gilmore going to the Final Four. I went to Jacksonville. I liked the nickname, the Dolphins, and I liked Florida. I went on a campus, and they had all these weeping willows or all these trees, and the campus was dark, even though it was a summer day. I'm like, why is it so dark? Well, these trees blocked the sun. I didn't like it. No, I didn't like it at all. Anyway, so Purdue beats Jacksonville by 172. Purdue, no hangover. We're going to talk some college basketball with Dusty May coming up. Tommy Waddle at 940. But the game last night, and this was – tell me if I'm wrong about this. But let me see if I understand this. Louisville and Kentucky on a Thursday night before Christmas, not a Saturday on CBS? Huh? I got to tell you. Louisville, Kentucky, on a Thursday night, I did not even know they were playing. Now, I've broadcast that game. Here's one. I got, you know I got a story for everything. Billis, Showman, myself. I'm the sideline girl. And they gave me, it was a special net thing that they were trying out. It was like a camera on my head. And I tried to tell them before we went in, my head's too big. No, no, no. It expands. I go, my head's too big. I'm just telling you, my head's too big. Well, the camera thing didn't work because, well, my head was too big. The manufacturers tried to get mad at me. This was their device. This was going to make them millions. This was their shark tank. And it was being used for Louisville, Kentucky. Wow. It was also the scene of the greatest halftime interview ever every time you see one of these little girls running out there and coach holly Rowe making it about herself coach 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 and they ask a 10-minute question go to youtube louisville against kentucky not even sure i walk out there calipari's team just gave up three or five or seven points at the end of the half so i got to do the halftime interview so i got my push-up bra pumped up my ass did my hair my makeup my lips and i went out there and i said to calipari coach, what'd you think? And he just took off. Wow. You know, we gave up a three. And and in my ear, I hear from the director and the producer, greatest halftime question ever. I'm a hell of a sideline girl. I'm not going to lie to you. And I won't, I won't cause a problem and I won't make stuff up Clarissa Thompson style because you just ask short questions. We want to hear from Calipari. We want to hear from the man in the arena, not the guy wearing a weird-ass thing on his head with a pullover hair. That's what we want to hear. And Calipari gave a great thing. So last night, Calipari defended his ex-assistant, Kenny Payne. Kenny Payne is the head coach of Louisville. Kenny Payne is one of those NBA guys that came home. Jawan Howard to Michigan, Woody to Indiana, and Kenny Payne to Louisville. They came home, Right. And it's been a struggle for Kenny Payne. See, I think Louisville is just finding its normal place in college basketball. Louisville's a dump. The city's a dump. The media's a dump. The school's a dump. The gym is nice. Got a lot of booze to it. Everybody, all right. And the hillbillies come out like crazy. They love Louisville basketball. Man, screw Kentucky. We're down here 64. We got the best program in Kentucky. Yeah, well, you don't anymore, and you're finding out your place, and your place is at the bottom of the ACC. Kentucky came in, got off to a bad start, and there you go. End the pain. That's where Louisville is. And it's not only these smart jackasses that are really being idiots, but look at behind them. What do you see? You see empty seats. See, Louisville didn't know what it had. It should have never fired uh, Patino. They should have said, look. We're Louisville. We got to cheat. It's a shit town. It's a crap school. Name me one smart person that ever came out of Louisville. I'll hang up and listen. Roger Berkman. I mean, seriously, name me one scholar. Like Indiana, we got me, Indiana's most famous living alumni. Or maybe Cuban. I don't know. Maybe he's a little higher in the hierarchy. I don't personally think so. But Louisville is finding its way back. This is not a great Kentucky team. It's a good Kentucky team. But they went into the Yum Center and blasted them. After a bad start, they went in and blasted, blasted uh, Louisville. And I think Louisville has a serious problem. But give Calipari credit, a growing pains. You're trying to build a program back from where Chris Mack had it. You're trying to get this thing going in the right direction. You're trying to build it with players and teams and all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We shall see what we shall see. All right, I saved this because it's the big news of the day, and even Lula in the background is excited about this, but I got to tell you, there needs to be a hard cap in baseball. <laughs> baseball is ridiculous. Did you guys see this? Did you guys see Yoshi Obu Yamamoto, a man who has never thrown a pitch in the big league? signed a 12-year, $325 million deal. Let me say that again. A man who's never pitched in a big... Now, let me go through this for just a second. Ichiro, really good. Otani, really good. Who else? I mean, Suzuki with the Cubs, he's all right. That guy that batted third for the Yankees was okay. The porn guy he always brought the porn on the road. All these pitchers haven't been great. I remember when the gyro ball came in for the uh, Red Sox, but all these guys from Japan. Maybe I'm biased because the Cubs got Hideki or whatever it was Fukudomi. and Fukadomi was coming to the Cubs and he was going to change everything. He was a right fielder. Opening day home run. I remember where I was. I think it was. Uh, uh, it might have been April Fool's Day. I don't know. Opening day, home run. And I and I sit here and I go, wait a second here. So now we're going to have $20 Dodger dogs, $50 beers, $1,000 to park because you decided to go. Now, you're probably going to win a World Series, but who cares? I don't know. What makes this guy so much better that he's going to get three? You know what's going to happen to him? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen with this guy right there. For $325 million, here's what's going to happen. He's going to pitch all right. Probably start out, have a great game. You know, the man with the most punchable face, Jeff Passan, and others are going to say, oh, look how great he is. And we're going to go, okay. And then he's going to go about five, six innings, have about a 3-8 ERA. Uh, Guys are going to make up all kinds of spin rates and all kinds of stuff, but see for $325 million, the man should pitch eight, nine, minimum seven every night. I mean, it shouldn't, he, he cannot be one of these guys that pitches five innings like the rest of these clowns in major league baseball like the rest of these adderall dope smoking pitchers in major league baseball that sit around play video games true story i got it from a bunch of people that are trainers and weight coaches in major league baseball that's what most pitchers do yeah they do their workout and they go get on the adderall and then they play video games and they smoke weed all day that's a good life if you're a pitcher particularly if you're making 325 but why doesn't baseball Baseball needs a hard salary cap, period. This is absurd. Not everybody has a chance. And I don't know whether this uh, kid is any good or not. I know he's not going to be great, but he's coming to a team that already has spent billions on Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts. Then they just signed Glass now for what? 125 million. You need a hard cap in baseball. Probably not going to happen because of the different TV revenues. But you know what? In the NBA, they've got different TV revenues. They've got different things. Major League Baseball, hard cap. NBA, you need a hard cap. Let's go. Let's get screwing around. You think the people in Pittsburgh feel like they have any shot? Hell, even the Cubs. Cubs are a big market team that conditions itself and participates like a small market team. And it's sad. But I don't know how you compete with that. I got to tell you, one of the great things about putting this team together Even though I think Mookie Betts, at least what I've seen, and Freddie Freeman are two of the greatest guys, and I was watching Otani last night at the game, and he seems like a great guy. But you got to root against somebody, don't you? And I am going to root against these guys like it's my job. It might be my job not to root, but it's going to be my job to root because this is absurd, the money that they're throwing. It's not my money, so I don't care. I wish it were my team and I would think it's great. But this dude right here, 12 years, 300 and some million dollars, and he's never pitched. Name me all the great Japanese Major League Baseball pitchers. I'm gonna go to the YouTube chat and see if I can find that out. Name me all these great, oh man, we got all these great Japanese pitchers. Really? Who? Who? Matsuyama oh don't know. tell me I'll listen I'm always listening I want to hear who is it who is it I'm telling you they stinks they do all these great Japanese pitchers I get it there's a big Japan or Japanese uh thing in 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 uh la I get it I get it you're gonna have media attention I get it it's probably worth it from a financial thing but give them to me name me all these great Japanese players. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. Tell me. Let me know. I'll listen. You can't. You can't. Hey, speaking of greatness, Jim Harbaugh is the odds-on favorite. Listen to this. He's the odds-on favorite to be the head coach of the San Diego or Los Angeles Chargers. Man, LA is going to spend some money because Harbaugh ain't coming cheap. I saw the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, Ben Johnson. He wants to get $15 million to go be the head coach. Ben Johnson ought to shut up and not let that out from his agent because he's about one bad year with Detroit, which is going to happen, from begging for an offensive line position job. So don't do that. Don't do that even a little bit. But anyway, long story short, I'm going to talk to Tommy Waddle coming up here in about five minutes, and I got to tell you, don't you think that the Chicago Bears are going to be in the running? Although the Bears are improving, but Eberfluss keeps losing. Improving is great in the NFL. Improving is great if you're going to be in the playoffs and you want to keep getting better. Now, Ben Johnson's agent refuted it because that moron, Josina Anderson, who is really stupid, like Josina Anderson is at the top level of stupid. She came into my studio one day and sat there. I don't even know why. Just so dumb. So if she said it, I don't believe it. But I do believe. That got out there somewhere for $15 I don't give a damn if agents refute it. I don't care at all. But anyway, long story short, wouldn't you want Harbaugh on your team? Here's what Jim Harbaugh is going to bring. Seems to be a real player's guy. Like, if you really think about Harbaugh, players seem to love him. You don't see players leaving Michigan and being angry. We saw it with Dabo Sweeney yesterday. That's number one. Seems to have the ability to keep even keel, as the, as the Rudyard Kipling poem, If says, when everyone around you, when you keep your head, when everyone around you is losing theirs, then you're a man, my son. Hardball seems to be able to do that. Seems pretty smart with the staff he hires. Seems pretty fearless, other than, of course, the pedophile. Well, and of course, the guy that, well, broke into other teams' computers. So he's got a pedophile currently arrested. And an offensive coordinator he had to fire because he broke into others' computers and the FBI's investing cyber crimes. And of course, there's Shemi or another staff member. So I refute my own statement. But they were able to win six games without him coaching. They were able to win six games with him not even being in the building. I mean, that's pretty good. So Harbaugh brings that. I'm guessing offensively he's as good as any in the NFL. It's not like NFL runs all these elaborate offenses, although I must say last night Sean McVay's offense seems to move it around pretty good. They seem to do a lot of pre-snap motion, and so does Shanahan's up there in San Francisco, but I would imagine that Harbaugh pretty good at that. There really isn't any reason not to hire Harbaugh unless of course you want to not, I guess, stand with the NCAA, but if I'm an owner of an NFL team, why would I give a rat's ass about what the NCAA thinks? I wouldn't care even a little bit. Would you, I wouldn't care today. Wait, Whoa, Whoa. You did one now. You worked too hard. See, that's how I would look at it. You did what? You worked too hard. You were out working when others weren't. Okay. All right. Uh, You were doing what now during COVID? You were working. Oh, okay. You were smart enough. This is how I would look at it. You were smart enough to hire a guy that would go to games and steal signs, and it helped your quarterback although your quarterback hasn't been where the damn since you got rid of kobe stallions but having said that that's how i would look at it as an nfl owner because the rules are different now there are rules there are rules in the nfl and if a coach breaks those rules you know who has to pay the owner the team gets fine otas too many practices too long of practices you get in pads too much you know what i'm saying but I'd hire Harbaugh tomorrow, and I'm curious whether Tommy Waddle thinks that Harbaugh has any shot or is the favorite to come over to Chicago and coach the Bears. That's assuming Eberfluss is gone. It's also, you know, in Chicago, there's also is Justin feels good enough. And if you're Harbaugh, here's the thought. He's a football guy. He's been in the NFL. He understands the value of a quarterback. He's not one of those guys that needs a job. So, man, I got to come in here and I got to take a $9 million job because, well, frankly, it's $9 million and there's only 32 of them. He's got a pretty good job. Always look for a job when you got a good job. But Harbaugh understands the value of a quarterback because of that. So do you want to go where Justin Herbert is, assuming that's what is offered to you, or do you want to go where Justin Fields? Interesting. Too many quarterbacks named Justin. When did Justin become anything other than a suburban kid's name? Now we got quarterbacks in the NFL named Justin. Name me a good Justin. Name me a quarterback named Justin before this. Give me one. We got Arch and we got Justin. I mean, I don't know. Whatever happened to Bill or Sonny? Whatever happened to Bob? Joe? Now we got Justin. Hi, Justin. Are you going to throw passes today, Justin? Okay, Justin. All right. Well, okay. Damn. But anyway, I think I would want to go with Justin Herbert as opposed to Justin Fields. Maybe I'm wrong. We're going to ask our friend Waddle about that. But in the hierarchy of NFL quarterbacks, I will say this. Neither one of those guys is on the hierarchy. And you can tell me all you want about Justin Herbert, but all he did was get another coach fired. That's it. He took an offensive guru and Brandon Staley and got him fired. Now, you can say that's not on the quarterback, but every time you win, it's on the quarterback. So, of course, when you get a coach fired, it's on the quarterback. Now, Justin Fields hasn't been there long enough to get Eberfluss fired. Eberfluss hasn't been there long enough. But guess what? I think he is, he is well on his way to getting Eberfluss fired. Oh, by the way, you want to file this in the NFL under who gives a rat's ass? One of the best, most iconic programs in the history of the NFL, you could argue maybe the best, the most iconic, is Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football, when you hear it, you know it, you love it, you wait for it, you reminisce about it. Little kid, I don't even know how old I was, snuck down, acted sick, so I could see Tom Dempsey's kick, 63 yards, all-timer with the Saints. I snuck down because at halftime they showed the highlights, and I had to see this kick. And my dad let me. It was nice of him. Anyway, long story short, AJ Brown, idiot diva wide receiver, because I'm starting to believe they're all idiot diva wide receivers, wants to do away with Monday night football. There you go. Yep. Let's do away with the most iconic show in the history of the NFL. Let's do away with the show that brought more viewers, more attention than any in the history of. Of the NFL. Let's do away with something that grew the NFL I- exponentially. Yes, AJ Brown. Let's do away with it because some little diva wide receiver who's got about two years left in the league before he goes off to become a pain in the ass like Antonio Brown and others. Let's listen to you. I don't think so. I think we should go the other way. I think we should have Tuesday night football. In fact, I think we should have every night football. In fact, I think the NFL, I got an idea. The NFL should break off into another league. There should be summer NFL. Players would have to play. You guys want to earn this money? You got to play. Question, do I look like Vin Diesel, Joe Rogan, or the guy Al Bone, Bowl, who is the head coach of Wyoming football? Right now, I feel kind of Rogan-ish. Thinking about drinking whiskey, smoking weed, and getting deep with y'all with Tommy Waddle. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. You know, my next guest, his partner, Sylvie, the text came in last uh, Sunday night. The text came in. I was minding my own business, and here was the text, Tommy Waddle. Yeah. Eber lose. That's what it came in. That's what came
2: in. <laughs> By the way, he's the host of the pregame. Like, we're the home of the Bears. He's firing Eber flu seven days a week, and then we have we have Coach on at 210 every Monday after the games, I mean, they, you know, he's a wonderfully nice guy. I mean, we've, we've developed a nice relationship. I'm not sure he knows that Sylvie's calling for him to be fired 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But
1: I think I told you my wife grew up with him. My wife and her ex-husband and they all, they all grew up and great Toledo, Right.
2: Didn't he, did he play or was it Akron, Akron or Toledo?
1: I think he played at Toledo. Toledo. a Linebacker at Toledo. Yeah
2: great player
1: yeah he was tough the great Tommy waddle joins us all right you did I, I want to get into this and I want to get into Bears but first Otani uh, this new – there it is there I it is you, ladies I know and what gentlemen. you're talking about
2: Danny I have no idea what you're talking about
1: how do we compete we Be being cool. the cut bear
2: in the Cubs you can't I'm the, listen, I'm a Reds fan. I know that they weren't. I don't even think that they would make the call to Los Angeles because they didn't want to pay the long distance rate. The Reds. <laughs> so, um, look, I, I, I never thought that Otani was going to sign with the Cubs. I thought it was more about his comfort level where he wanted to be. And look, if you come to Chicago, you know this, Dan, like, you're going to be center stage every single day. The Marquee Network is, you know, has a relationship with the Cubs. They're going to want to have access to you. You're going to be the biggest name in all of sports here in the third largest market. And I'm not so sure it was something that he wanted. I've never met him. I don't know anybody that does know him. But you, the stuff you read, he just kind of wants to keep low key. And out in L.A., you know, obviously he's, you know, famous as all get out, but he's one of, you know, 5,000 celebrities that are walking the streets every day. So maybe the, the lure of anonymity was something that, that he wanted, maybe the weather, maybe whatever it was. I, I, I would say this, Danny, you're a cub fan. I'm not, I I don't hate him. I'm not a hater, but I I grew up a reds fan. So I'm not going to, you know, run away from my team is, is I just wanted them. If I was a cub fan to be in the conversation, Tell me that you were legitimately willing to offer five or $600 million because you knew the ancillary revenue streams that that man can provide and sponsorships and everything else was enough to help subsidize 40 or 50% of his contract. So I wanted you to be part of the game. I'm not a 100% sure that was the case. There was a report that thing Nightingale uh, put out that the Cubs you know, balked at, at the, you know, the number, I don't know that to be true. That's all I wanted from the Cubs. If I was a Cubs fan, it just be in the Derby. And ultimately he went to where most people thought he would go.
1: Baseball, you know, you look at the numbers on Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and Otani and Glass now, now this kid coming over from Japan, what point do you need a hard cap? I mean, it, it's, it's chaos. I mean, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I don't know all the intricacies of of how the baseball financials work. I would say to you that I can guarantee you that the guys in Cincinnati aren't going to get into that, into that, the deep end of that pool. There's just, that's not the way it's going to be. But, you know, I would suggest if you're going to get, going to get in a game and you're going to buy a franchise, understand the rules and what you're getting into. And by the way, you know, nobody's passing the hat for you because yeah. while you may not be able to compete with the Dodgers and in bidding for these superstar services, the value of your asset has, has, you know, dram- dramatically elevated over the course of time. So I mean, we can all cry tears if you want for the Royals, but I bet that franchise is worth more today than it was five years ago. And it'll be worth more five years from, from now than it is today.
1: Yeah. I guess I'm looking more of it as a fan. Like, you know, it comes at least you feel like you maybe got a shot, but if you're Pittsburgh, I don't know you, you, all right, let me go to something else. I know
2: you, Danny, real quick. I know you're a fan of free markets, so like, don't put anything in place that is going to cap what others can spend. If you can I spend, know. spend it. You're torn I know. Up. It you're just torn. seems
1: it just seems upside down to me. It just seems like it's the only league. Like NFL, what do they always say about the NFL, it's built for parity, and then you know you yeah. got to work your way out. And
2: oh, and that's oh, what God. you're getting right now. You're getting a whole lot of mediocrity, especially in the NFC.
1: I was going to ask you about that. You know, Tom Brady's been very, very vocal about the mediocrity at quarterback, the decision-making, the coaches. Where are you at with what Brady's saying?
2: I think the league is very mediocre, and I'll say that. But, Dan, I'll tell you, I ain't going away. I'm going to watch every single game. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I, I, I'm not a big gambler. I'll bet my $10 per game and and have fun with it, even if it's a, a couple of backup quarterbacks squaring off on a Thursday night and it's a horribly played game. Um, it's you know, baseball may be America's pastime, but football will always be America's passion. And I subscribe to that theory. If you look at the AFC, you've got a little bit more, I think, uh, a higher level of play consistently. The NFC, I think prior to last week, we were talking about it on the show 11 of the 16 teams were below 500. And at the time, two of the seven teams that had qualified for the playoffs at the time were below 500. And there's a chance that the NFC South champion will be below 500. So I don't think the product is great right now. Maybe we're just, you know, I, I think in football, you ride that roller coaster. Some years it's outstanding. and other years, there's a dip. I think a lot of the the mediocrity right now is a direct result to all of the injuries you've had at, at quarterback. I think this past weekend, there were 12 backups or backups to backups that were playing. Joe Flacco's the f- fourth quarterback that the Browns have run out there this year. And he whipped our ass in the fourth quarter, so I wish he wouldn't have signed with the Browns.
1: When you were playing against Flacco, what did you think back in the day? Was, it, was yeah, you... yeah. That's
2: funny. I mean, I'm a little old or too old to have played against Flacco. But, good but that's good. you know what I thought? I thought he could make every throw and you can't fool him. That's what I
1: thought. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's it. Is Harbaugh the Holy Grail in Chicago?
2: I knew you were going to. Yeah, I know he's not your guy. And I was thinking to myself this morning, When Danny and I talk about this, I need to just come out and say, "Look, Danny, you can employ whatever you know interrogation tactics you want against me. I'm not breaking. I'm I'm just not (laughs) going to break. You know, you try to waterboard me, I'm not breaking. You try to put me in a dark room and sleep deprive me, I'm not breaking. I'm a hardball guy. He was my back for four years, and I love Jim. And um, first of all, I'm uh, I'm a Wolverine fan for the playoffs. But yeah, I think for me. Yes, he would be the holy grail in Chicago because in look, I got a great opportunity to play for Mike Ditka for 4 years and I love coach and and but when coach got to, to you know former player and in his career obviously in the National Football League and with the Bears was more decorated than Jim's but Jim had a nice run in Chicago. When when coach Ditka came to the Bears to be the head coach, he had just been a special teams coach. Jim's got a resume that that you can't poke holes in. Like Jim's won wherever he's gone. He's changed cultures wherever he's gone. And I think that that's something that this organization would benefit greatly from. I think the question, Danny, is, is, A, would they be interested in him? And I, I and I haven't, you know, I, I talked to Jim via text occasionally. I saw him this past year. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we stay, you know, close. Uh, he's got his hands full with a lot of stuff. Um, I don't know how he feels about it about, you know, potentially ever being the Bears coach, my guess would be that it would be something that he would relish because history means stuff to him. To go back and coach Michigan where Bo Schembechler was his coach, I think means something to him and to have success there. And I think it would mean something, just speculating, to come here. I don't know how Kevin Warren, the former commissioner of the Big Ten, would feel about that. I don't know how Ryan Poles would feel about that. When I look at Jim, I think he'd be a perfect fit here. But Danny, he's going to want some input at least with whoever his general manager's personnel guy would be. And that's why if you look out West and you look at the Chargers who fired their coach, they fired the general manager and they've got a ready-made quarterback. They've got some cap issues, but they've got a, a great young quarterback on their roster. I would think that's as desirable a destination for Jim as there is if, in fact, he decides to, to get up and, and go to the NFL.
1: Is Justin Fields a desirable quarterback in your mind?
2: Uh, I think he's good. I I think he's, you know, this is such a, a, this is something, by the way, that we have to talk about four hours a day. Yeah, every, I, know. I know, right? And I mean, it's just like, I've said in the past, like the Bears, I love this team. They course through my veins. They frustrate me at times, but they're an exhausting cover for a number of a number of reasons. I think it's a great question. Um I would say this about we're not even having the and I and I know where we're going with the conversation. We're not having the conversation as to whether or not the Bears would move off of him and move in a different direction if the Bears didn't have the first overall pick of the draft. And that's part of the that's part of the, the equation. It, you know, that's just reality. You can like Justin, but if you don't believe Justin can take you where Caleb Williams or Drake May or somebody else can take you then you have to, you have to pivot and go in the other direction. And it doesn't mean that you don't think Justin can do some things because I can put a tape together for you, Dan, where Justin does some things that there's only maybe one or two other quarterbacks in the league can do like his off platform stuff is out of this world. He is a hard worker. He's a good kid. The guys like him. He's a good leader. But then I can put it together some tape for you that shows you that some of the basic stuff of quarterback play really still isn't where it needs to be. And it's not, it's not efficient enough. Sometimes he doesn't manufacture throwing lanes in the pocket. He'll run into some sacks. He'll, he won't he will pull the trigger on some throws that need to be made. And, and, and. And again, I would say to you, Danny, that, that we're not even having this conversation at the Bears had the 15th pick of the draft. I mean, you would be forced to move forward with him. You would try to build the team around him and, and help t- see if he could grow with it. But they find themselves again with a, the first overall pick. And, and can you imagine how the NFL historians would feel about Ryan Poles if last year he passed on the number one selection, he passed on CJ Stroud, could have had CJ Stroud. Now I don't blame them for making the trade they made. I thought at the time it was the right thing to do, trade the pick. You got D.J. Moore. You got Carolina's first pick or first round pick, which is going to turn out hopefully be the number one. You were able to draft your right tackle. There was a lot that came in that trade. But you did pass on a kid that looks like he is the real deal. Imagine if they did it again and Caleb Williams or Drake May or somebody else turns out to be that guy. And the progress that you were hoping for by surrounding Justin with better talent never materializes. Like, you can't make decisions based on how you think other people are going to view you five years from now, but you are a human being. And those things do matter inside the building. So, you know, I think if Ryan Poles believes that one of these guys can take his team to a place that Justin can't, then he's got to make that decision to move on if he goes through the eval process and says, I don't like any of these guys, then I don't think that you forced the situation. Then I think you move forward, but I think it's a product of the situation right now, Dan. And, I and you know, you can say it's a tough spot to be in, Well, I'd love to have a ton of cap space and a bunch of draft picks, including the first overall pick.
1: You know, I always look at you as very pragmatic, common sense. <laughs> I do. You're, you have common sense and you're like, all right, and he, I always also look at you as a player, kind of first guy. Like you're willing to give the benefit of the doubt yeah. to the player. When I watch Fields, and I don't say I, when I was a kid, I watched every Bears game. Couldn't wait, got home. Yeah, let's put the new hat on. Thank yeah, you.
2: Well, I'm gonna put the Bears hat on.
1: Yeah, that's right. Put the Bears. Hat. I swear to God, it's like you remember the remember the shortstop Chris Spire. Sure. So he was a light hitting guy, but every time I watched him against the Cubs, he got banged out like three hits, a double in the. And it's the same thing with Fields. Every time I'll give you I watch Danny, fields,
2: Danny, Danny, I give you a better name, Jeff Blauzer. Right, Jeff Blauzer. Jeff when he was with the Braves, would kill the Cubs. So what did the Cubs do? They
1: signed him as a free agent. He sucked right. because he wasn't hitting Cub pitching. Right, and that's why every time I see Fields, every time I say, "All right, I'm going to watch this half of the Bears game," or it comes out, he's like, "Great," and I'm like, well, "What's the debate here?" The de- and, you know, but then you watch you know the other night, the question becomes, and 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 you saw what Caleb Williams did this year. Okay. Yeah. He's in the stands. He didn't have a good year. Does that bother you?
2: It doesn't No, now, being the pragmatic person that I yes. am. Like I try to separate the noise. Like, um, let me go back real quick and, 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 and address the issue with Justin as well. If you watch sports center after they play the lions, you're all in Dan. Right. Like, I'm giving him the bag. I'm giving him all. Okay. But where were the where were the highlights from the game two weeks before they played the Vikings? They had the buy. Then they had the Lions and they match up well with the Lions. Justin's very hard for them to contain. And the, the Lions are a bottom five defense. But two weeks before, none of the shows are showing you that the Bears had zero offensive touchdowns. And the only reason they beat the Vikings with Josh Dobbs. Is because Josh Dobbs couldn't get the ball in the end zone at the end. We end up kicking four field goals and beat them twelve to ten. And to, and again, like the last thing I want to do is think, is have anybody think I'm just I'm, I'm pounding on the kid. I'm not. When you have a decision of this magnitude, your evaluation process has to go deep. It's got to go into crevices that go beyond the stat line. So I would give you this as, as, as something to think about. It's great that you play well against the Washington Commanders. They're dead last in yards allowed. They're dead last in points allowed. It's great that you play well against the Detroit Lions. They're a bottom five defense. I give you credit for all of that. I'm not trying to minimize it. But what I'm telling you, Dan, is is if I have to make a decision like this and I'm Ryan Poles, I got to know how you play against the better defenses. How do you play when you step up in class? You can be the lion slayer you know you can be that guy and that's great cuz cuz that is something we can build on they've played against four top 10 defenses this year early in the year they played against Kansas City and Steve Spagnuolo and i look at coordinators as much as i look at defenses because these guys can do some really creative stuff that can confuse younger quarterbacks they got boat raced as most teams will against Kansas City they got be 41 to 10 they had a garbage touchdown at the end of the game that was meaningless They played against Brian Flores' team defense, the Vikings, twice. Justin played six quarters against them. Unfortunately, he got hurt early in the second half in the game they played in Soldier Field. In two matchups with the Vikings and Brian Flores, they accounted for zero offensive touchdowns. Justin was sacked seven times and turned the ball over three times. This past weekend, they played against the Browns, a top 10 defense. They got lucky because the Browns were missing three or four starters, but they're still damn good. They're number one in yards allowed, number one in passing yards, number one in third downs to get after you. The Bears were only able to have a a one-touchdown drive. It was eight plays, Dan, for one yard because Eddie Jackson returned an interception to the one-yard line. It took his eight plays to get the ball in the end zone, and that play was brilliant. Because it was an off-platform play where Justin evaded Miles Garrett, swung to the left, and threw a dime across his body to Cole Komet. We scored a touchdown. In that game, they had one offensive touchdown, a one-yard drive, and a field goal. So in four games against top defenses, Dan, I got a garbage touchdown. I've got zero touchdowns in six quarters against the Vikings. I've got one eight-play, one-yard touchdown drive against the Cleveland Browns. That has to factor into my evaluation, and I will say this as well. It's not all his fault. He hasn't been dealt a great hand. Many people believe his coordinator isn't very good. He hasn't had a great group of around him. That's all true. The way I've described their offensive ineptitude this year is, is shared culpability. Everyone's at fault, but when you're making this decision, again, of this magnitude, all of that stuff, has to be part of the equation. I can't just watch Sports Center and have Greeny and the guys show you these magnificent clips of plays that he's made over here. They count. But you also got to show me over here where he walked into a sack or he missed an open receiver and all of the other stuff that is part of the equation. So that's why I think, Dan, it is a really difficult decision. And it's something that is going to take a lot of, you know, digging and, and unearthing stuff, and you're going to go through the process with a little, you know, with, you know, a whole lot more, I don't know, a, a, a fine-tooth comb or whatever they say. It's not an easy choice. It really isn't.
1: But it's not a terrible problem to have either.
2: Tom. It's not. That's, not. that. you know it's what, there is a problem. And people are saying, Dan, well, just keep Justin because he is a better quarterback today than he was last year and just build around it. And my response to that is is if you have the first pick of the draft is that the route you want to go if you believe in one of the other guys you know they made a trade for montez sweat in the middle of the season they gave up a second round pick and they gave him 100 million dollars do you think they did that because they were hoping justin jefferson their three technique or justin james rather their three technique tackle was going to make montez sweat better no it's the other way around you bring in these guys you give them money and you expect them to be the multipliers And that's the same situation I look at from the quarterback situation. It's a position that is the highest paid position in all of football. And that guy is supposed to make everyone else better. Not he's supposed to be a better player because the guys are around him. If you have to take that path, take it. But they have the first pick in the draft, so they're not forced to take that pick. And that's why the decision, I think, is more in-depth.
1: Tommy, that's great stuff. I mean, uh, I learned a lot but mostly if i had your hair i would never wear a hat you don't want this brother look Look at at that thing yes look (laughs) at that thing up there i need a christmas
2: cut i tried to get in yesterday but they were they were too busy gotta wait till next week i get the new (laughs) year's cut
1: Merry christmas tom to you and everybody thanks Thanks my friend Merry Christmas, Thank you. Okay. That's a great Tom Waddle. Now, that's an education, boys and girls, on Chicago. Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, great hair, Lil Tani, and the entire rest. Thanks to our friend, the great Tommy Waddle. Catch him. Waddle and Sylvie, afternoons on WMVP AM 1000. In Chicago, it'll be the best show you ever listened to. There you go. How about that? All right. When we come back, Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, can't wait to talk to Dusty May. He's just scheduled out of his mind, and he's got another one tomorrow against Arizona. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on "Don't At Me" across the Outkick Network. You know, as a former guy that coached in the Mid-American Conference mid-major, beating Virginia Tech, we beat Virginia Tech and Seth Greenberg one time, and it was a huge win. Now, Dusty May and Florida Atlantic, after going to the Final Four, they do that like it's their job, and now they get to play number four in the country, Arizona, who is really good. You're playing them in Vegas. You played Illinois, Texas A&M, Butler. You know, this isn't a one-hit wonder, and I remember texting you when all these guys came back. Um, this has a chance to be something, you know, Brad Stevens, Butler-like. You know, who knows? But, man, congratulations. Appreciate it, Coach. That's a that's a heck of
3: a compliment uh, being compared to Butler in any capacity. And uh, while we're on that note, they Coach Mata has a really good team at Butler this year. We were impressed with them early and thought they were better than what people were saying, and, and they've so far proved us right.
1: Yeah, I want to go something. It's a, something that I learned with Coach Knight, and you know, you never like to lose. And when you lose, you got to make decisions as a coach. Was it good for you guys that Bryant beat you when you look back on it, or is that yet to be determined?
3: Our response to it was very good, and it was a, it was a tough learning lesson. I wish we could have learned that lesson one by one. Right. <laughs> but it, you know, so many things went wrong and we weren't prepared to play and it, it was a perfect storm. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It changed the way we prepared. It changed the way we worked. It forced us to, to either splinter part, even more or come together. So we did learn a lot about ourselves that day, but no, that was a tough one, especially from a metric standpoint, games like that could really haunt you late in the season. Uh, luckily we were able to roll off several, uh, quality wins after that to, to save, you know, put us back in good position.
1: Yeah. I'm always curious about this. Um, and I'll tell you why, when I, when I came to Indiana it was after they'd won national championship <clears throat> and the first day at practice, man, coach Knight is, you could tell he's just on, he's, he's at war against the previous Randy Whitman, Ted Kitsch, all those guys that had been there. And I didn't understand that as an 18 year old, right? I don't know what the hell we're national champ or you guys are national champs, but I think you and I talked about it last year. You really got success is a, Bits to handle is it not
3: yeah and coach i spent all off season preparing for this and and even that wasn't enough i i spoke to coach donovan at length i spoke to, to brad St- i mean i spoke to all these guys just trying to prepare us ben mccollum at, at northwest missouri state and and josh shirts who had the similar success of lake memorial at different levels and, and and spoke to those guys i did more than that than than recruit and worry about basketball And it was still different because there was so much, so much of it is unintended and you don't even realize what's happening because it slowly creeps up over time. And just think if everybody, if there's a a big pot of of water and and everybody wants just a little bit more water, then all of a sudden that thing starts dropping at a, at a, at a, at a a pace that you can't keep up with. So yeah, we actually faced some stuff we didn't anticipate um, and saw some things and we're still seeing it now where it, it, everyone wants just a little bit more and it just knocks you off of your
1: flow and rhythm a little bit. You said you changed some things. What'd you change after that?
3: We changed a lot. We even, uh, we, we tried to adjust even the way we were going to defend. We, we tinkered with sending all five guys to the glass. Cause I, I, we anticipated the staff that everyone was going to want a couple more points and a couple more rebounds, and so we thought, hey, if we can come up with eight or ten more possessions, heck, that maybe five guys can average three more points, and if they go from twelve to fifteen, maybe that will keep their camps quiet a little, you know, a little longer. Um, you know, the stuff that every every young person's going through now, from thirteen year old travel baseball players to high school basketball players, most of them are feeling the same pressure from 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 people outside of the team. And so we we tried to combat that, but it, it, none of those things really have, have made a difference. It's it's more or less came back to our guys, simply uh, choosing to share, to work together, to overcome their, their personal ambition and, and uh, you know, work for a team ambition.
1: Yeah. You know, I hate to harp on that because you've had some unbelievable games, some unbelievable wins and you, you, you have one tomorrow it, as, as we're getting towards Christmas and the start of, you know, real conferences and all that kind of stuff. What have you seen out of your team on the positive relative to even last year when you made that great run and had a fantastic season before that?
3: That our guys are are significantly better as individuals. They put in the work. They they weren't complacent. And that was the thing that gave me assurance in the offseason that they, there wasn't any complacency in our program from anyone, the, the managers, the coaches, the players. They all worked harder. And now I look, and if you just look at each of them in a vacuum, they're all significantly better. And so when you put in the time and you work, you want to show your work. I mean, I, th- I think we've all been in that situation. I um, Heck, I remember after my sophomore year of high school, I had a great summer and thought, man, now I'm going to come out and really uh, score a lot of points or whatever the case. And uh, I sprinted off a baseline stagger and hit the side of the backboard. And it was like <laughs> the air out of my tire. <laughs> I thought I was going J.J. Reddick. So I think that's just common and you know you just <laughs> you have to face it you have to uh you know just just keep battling and, and uh, work on it every single day so we we have these conversations every day we're we're always watching observing but we have unbelievable guys that are very self-aware so usually one reminder and they they change behavior
1: i want to go into scheduling cuz scheduling you know is difficult it, or maybe it was maybe it wasn't now you you put together you played in great tournaments Was this a thing where, you know, your phone was ringing off the hook because now people wanted you in marquee games? And was it a thing where other schools that maybe were going to play are like, hell no, we ain't playing you. You know what I mean? There's both, right?
3: Yeah, well, Coach, in year one, this year, scheduling was easy. We're close to an airport. We're in Florida, and, and we had a terrible name and, and a bad team. I mean, I don't say bad team. We had good players, but we didn't have an established product. So, And then it got more difficult as we got good players in our program. But we didn't have a great name, and we didn't have a, a, a you know high-level metrics, top-of-the-line metrics. And then this year, everyone called. And all the classics, all the events, ESPN's been amazing to us through the ESPN events and all that. And then uh, uh, several other mids were calling, our phones were ringing off the hook, so it, and, and number one, they have trouble getting games as well, number two, we took it as a, maybe people don't think we were that good, it was just kind of a, a flash in the pan, and they want to prove, and, and either way, it doesn't matter, you still have to play the game, and so we were able to get a great schedule uh, without doing much work, where uh, our staffs had to put in a lot of work the last couple of years just to get quality games.
1: Yeah, people always ask me what's the hardest thing in mid major. I got scheduling. I mean, it's just a pain in the ass. A, it's almost a, it is a science, a science and an art, really. It is, and we actually
3: had to cancel a really good mid major game because it didn't fit. Because we had an opportunity to play a nationally televised marquee game, and we felt like we had a responsibility to the university, to our team, and to our players to play any of those games. So we even had to push back a really quality opponent, and we felt terrible about it. But it, we really felt like we had no choice because of our situation
1: last thing on that did you have conversations with your staff and athletic whoever that look let's put ourselves in a position and nobody thinks like this I guess maybe except for coaches because sometimes you get negative like all right we want to be an at-large candidate here if this doesn't go great if somebody gets hurt we want to you know we want Illinois we want Virginia Tech we want Arizona we want Texas a and we want Butler to put ourselves in a position where if something does happen in the conference tournament, we're still good.
3: Well, if we didn't have the players in our locker room, the answer would be no, but because of the guys we have, the answer was yes. We said yes to every single call that made sense. And, um, it, it absolutely to, to, and one, one of the goals was to eliminate the stress of having to win three games in three days in March when anything can happen, And so, yeah, it was very, very intentional to try to get great mid-majors in any high major power five game, especially on a neutral site, because uh, I I think it's probably 10 to 15 points difference for, as you coach, you know, a number of reasons when you go on the road to a power five, you, we felt like we have to be 10 to 15 points better. And when you go on the neutral side against a power five, the, that, that number drops significantly. So we thought everything was lining up to put ourselves in position for an at-large coming out of the American conference.
1: Don't comment on this, but when I was at ESPN and I, I used to say, well, human nature is in basketball. Referee makes about 14 to 2000 doing a Big Ten game, makes about 750 doing a MAC game. Who the hell you think he's going to protect? You know, don't, 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 don't you know, I would get calls going, hey, you can't say that. You can't say that. I'm like, all right, you can't say that. But that's one of the factors. And again, don't comment on it. We'll talk about Janelle Davis, my guy. John L Davis, my my guy from Gary, um, really broke out last year. How you been with him so far? He's incredible, coach. He's uh, uh, and even
3: with recruiting now, we as we're recruiting our next group. This we've had a couple classes coming together, and and just watching him every day. Uh, I just said, man, let's err on competitive spirit. Let's err on guys that love to compete and love to hoop and and are are ballers because that's what he is. He's a hooper. When we went into 21st century, uh, my assistant coach is now at the University of Georgia, had recruited a player from there before, said, hey, they've got a good young guy. And we walked in, and after 10 to 15 minutes, I said, man, this guy, he he can play for us because he was a hooper. I mean, you could have thrown him out in a playground in in, uh, whatever, Indianapolis or the Bloomfield Park, and he was going to hoop. And he's he's worked on his game. He's become a really good shooter. He's such a smart player too. That's that's kind of the uh, the, the icing on the cake. But yeah, the, he he's really taught us a lot about what we enjoy coaching because of his, how much he loves to compete.
1: You know, I used to say, guys from my hometown, we usually quit three times. Usually, three times is what we do. We we the Glenn Robinson quit three times at Purdue. I quit once, and Knight said, "Okay, go quit." You know what I mean? So I'm glad to see that he he has. Stuck it out for people that are now saying, "All right, I'm getting into college basketball. Florida Atlantic's great. I'm going to watch them tomorrow. What, 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 what's the matchup tomorrow?" I, well, I saw Arizona. I think Arizona's really good.
3: Coach, I think them and Purdue are the two that jump out to me that I would agree. be the front runners to, to, you know, if, if you can string together games and be stay healthy. But they're they're huge. Um, they have great guard play. They're unselfish. They're connected. I know even I watched Alabama. Uh, play them the other night and Alabama was, was trapping their ball screens or aggressively hedging their ball screens. And, and I think the thought process was that they, they would, it would catch them off guard and, and that they just moved. They got two on the ball. They moved it. They keep the game much. They make the game easier for each other. They're incredibly unselfish in their system. I, I don't think I've seen a team run as consistently in transition as they do after makes and misses. And uh, it's a unique brand of basketball, but it's fun to watch. I, I've enjoyed scouting these guys because they're so much fun to watch um, now it does, it keeps you up at night, but it, it's going to be a fun game. Our guys are excited for the challenge. And uh, this, this will let us know if we're a true national championship contender based on whether we can compete with these guys.
1: Isn't that cool to say at Florida Atlantic? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> right.
3: a lot of work to do still, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, just to go into that game with, with that being our mindset is, is, is pretty cool
1: last thing before i let you go um are you a basketball junkie do you you know like jim Beheim? every time i went to see him i'd sit in his office and we'd watch division eight you know women's game are, are you that kind are you a basketball junkie are you more like hey look i concentrate on our own and i get away from it maybe no i watch
3: our games and i watch our opponents who are playing and i watch our league extensively other than that i watch a lot of division two basketball I watch a lot of uh, international EuroLeague, Cup.
1: Why, I if like, I can ask, why those two? Why? It's different. It's creative. They
3: don't usually have the, the best players. Um, and it's just, I enjoy watching something outside of my scope where I'm learning. I feel like now we, we you know, when you get into, I think even the NBA, I think anyone would say they all play very similar. I think Division One we all play very similar just to try to watch teams that don't play like us. And try to steal new ideas and, and just to see something different but yeah i, I was actually talking to, to, to ben yesterday and i said everyone's so worried about burnout and i said i love watching ball i love being in a gym i don't know I, it's like if you love playing golf do you really get burnout because you played 36 holes five days last week i think if you love it you probably don't get burnout but um yeah I, it, it's really that it consumes me other than my family I, I really don't think about anything other than basketball and, and whatever else i'm doing has to find some way to to uh, interject itself into our game. If it's fundraising dinners or whatever the case, it's gotta be something related to helping our program.
1: Last thing, everybody says going to final four changes your life and all that kind of stuff, has it?
3: Yeah, it has. You know, I I've been anonymous my entire life with my stature, and now if we go out to dinner, people pick up our tab, or you know, everyone says hello, and people in Boca are friendly, and and we're still uh, small fish in a big pond. But life has changed. We can't go anywhere without people saying hello, and but that's not a bad thing. Um, but yeah, everything else feels pretty normal. Our, our staff is so grounded. Our players they're they're celebrities now, but they don't act any differently. They still. Um, they still appreciate the fact that these people were cheered for them before they went to the final four. So uh, they know why it's because of how they carry themselves and the way they play the game.
1: 71 and sunny and Boca. Mm, nice. <laughs> why wouldn't you go play in Boca? Like what? what the... <laughs> I say it all
3: times. People just, you don't know what you don't know.
1: <laughs> That's right. Hey coach, good luck tomorrow, man. And thanks for taking a few minutes with us. We're rooting for you. Appreciate that coach. Thanks for having me on. That's the great Dusty May. Dusty's team is good, man, like really, really good. I've watched three or four of their games. They are damn good, and they're fun to watch, and they're well-coached, and he does an amazing job on the sideline just keeping it all together. And I'm telling you, handling success is hard. Handling success in sports is so hard. That's why you see so many athletes screw up such great things. All of a sudden, you become a – Hero, and it's not just sports, it's politics. How many different politicians have you seen and writers and media guys that were nerdy douchebags? And all of a sudden they get a little publicity, and now they got a problem with a woman, or now they got a problem with alcohol, or now they got a problem with something. You see it all the time. I'm telling you, when I was a freshman at Indiana, I was in, I can I don't remember every practice, but I remember the first one for a variety of reasons. And I remember Coach Knight just, it was almost like He was mad at the returning players for having won a national championship. He was that invested in pounding that out of this year's team. And it was fascinating. It was. It was absolutely fascinating to me as a young kid going, damn, didn't these guys, Randy Whitman hit the shot before halftime to put Indiana up against James Worthy and Hall of Fame players. And now he's crushing the soul of the, and I thought it was awesome. I did. I learned more in that first practice about hard work. I learned more in that first practice about screw what you did 10 days ago or a year ago or a month ago or yesterday. It's time to rock and roll. It is. That's good stuff. Hey, uh, we got a lot going on here. Trent Brown. Remember Trent Brown? Remember the name uh, Malik Cunningham? Well, Malik Cunningham, he, he got cut. And Trent Brown, this never happens. Speaking of coaching, this never happens with the Patriots. When's the last time you've ever heard the Patriots have something like this? Trent Brown's a veteran. On the Patriots, when asked about Malik Cunningham, he said, absolutely. Everybody on the team wanted Malik Brown to be the co- quarterback. It's funny because I told them months ago, if they ever called if anybody, that's the team where you should go, talking about him going to the Ravens. It was almost like I saw it coming. And that's really good for him to actually get a real chance to play his real position. You never see this with the Patriots. You never see the problem of George Pickens with the Steelers. Never. And that's what happens with losing. Losing is a virus. Losing is a cockroach. It just spreads. There's more and more. And you've got to fight it. and You've got to make sure that it doesn't spread. And you've got to see who in your locker room is spreading it. Who's the clubhouse lawyer? And I'm a little surprised that Trent Brown being in the league that long wouldn't have more respect for his coach. Just shut the living hell up. I'm never surprised when diva wide receivers like George Pickens and others act like idiots. I mean, probably the most exciting drive we had in that stadium was against Houston in a preseason game. My guy couldn't even get a red jersey. That means he couldn't even get on the regular roster. Hey, breaking news. Uh, we don't know the outcome yet, but this is happening today. In fact, it was scheduled at 10 o'clock, so I'm guessing they're still in the meeting. But the Florida State Board of Trustees is meeting. Danny Cannell, our friend, put it out what the agenda was, and the agenda was simply Department of Athletics discussion. Well, what that means is Florida State University is deciding what they're going to do. And what they're going to do is this, what they're going to do with football in the ACC. Now their grant rights are kept, their media rights are kept till about 2035 or 36. And it's hundreds of millions of dollars to leave unless somehow, some way they can lawyer it up. They can get Harvey Specter and figure this whole thing out and get it an out. I don't know that that's going to come, but if I'm Florida State, I'd be pissed too. The lack of respect, certainly. Now, do I like the fact that Alabama is playing Michigan. You're damn right I do, because I think it's going to be the best game of the year, maybe the best game we've seen in a long time. Although those games have been usually pretty good. I mean, last year, the Ohio State kid missed a kick, which was just soul-crushing. Imagine if that Ohio State makes that kick. Mm. I know Ryan Day would still be catching hell for losing three in a row to Michigan, but would have played in a national championship game and had a chance. But Florida State, I look, I, I, I understand it. Florida State goes undefeated in the league, and Bill Hancock, the head of the selection committee, had to clarify comments where he said, well, a so-called Power Five league when talking about the ACC. Jim Phillips, who was the athletic director at Northwestern, highly regarded guy, came out and with a scathing letter. He's now the commissioner of the ACC. Scathing letter both when ACC Uh, excuse me, when Florida State was not allowed into the playoffs, he came out with a letter. He came out with a letter after all this kind of stuff. He came out in support, but it wasn't enough. Florida State's pissed off at the leadership in the conference. Now, look, you can blame the leadership in the conference, and really this was out of their control. I think everybody would admit and agree that if Jordan Travis didn't get hurt, the quarterback Florida State was in. So if they're going to let this escalate to where they leave the conference and lose millions of dollars, that would be fascinating to me because I'm sure there would be other places that would want them. I don't know that the Big Ten would, but I think the SEC or the Big 12 would. But I also think this, be careful what you wish for because it is no longer just four teams, it is 12. And obviously, any scenario that you would like to paint in those 12 would be Florida State damn near every year, given the way that conference stinks. So you can go grind it out against the SEC. You can go grind it out against the Big Ten to Big 12. Or you can stay in a conference. Well, let's be honest. You got Syracuse, who got beat a 1,000 last night trying to play the Wildcat. You got Virginia, Duke, North Carolina, who are mediocre at best. Certainly never on a level where anybody's going to get excited, regardless of where the Duke quarterback goes or the Duke coach goes. You got Miami, who had a great recruiting class, but that's not a great. Georgia Tech, are you kidding me? I mean, serious business, you can go on and on and on and on and on. And there just ain't a whole lot there. Now, you can see right there the money involved. There's a lot of money. You're talking about a look at the penalty amounts. It's a lot of $572 million. Look, I don't know. During his presentation, attorney represent Florida State says it would cost $572 million to leave the ACC right now. Exit fees. Grant of rights, costs, et cetera. That's from Trey Wallace. Are you willing to pay that? That's half a billion dollars. Obviously, you need an economist in there to figure out what it would mean if you went to another league. But before that, you'd have to get another league to take in. That's not set in stone. Be careful what you wish for uh, FSU. You're in a pretty good position. Your program seems to be rolling. You're in a league that you can win every year. Obviously, Clemson is down. Clemson is down, and Clemson seems to now be the team that we're going to pound dirt on. We're going to throw sand on Clemson. Can't swing a dead cat without somebody from Clemson. Tony Kennard yesterday about his son, former Clemson, great. Can't swing a dead cat, and really, that's your competition. Now, maybe Miami gets back to it, maybe, but Miami's got to overcome their own damn coaching mistakes. It is fascinating to me. It really and truly is fascinating. We're gonna see what happens. Hey, I do want to get to this story. People suck sometimes. Oklahoma lineman, ex Oklahoma lineman Caden Green, he transferred to Missouri. Now Oklahoma transferring somewhere like Oregon, people understand it. The quarterback is a great guy. Oh, he went for the NIL money. Apparently, an offensive lineman named Caden Green can't transfer transferred to Missouri caused the ire of ridiculously idiotic Oklahoma fans. How about this? They're leaving his dad's business as one-star reviews on Yelp. They're trying to crush a man's business because his son went and did what's best for him to go in Oklahoma or go into Missouri. That's asinine. Apparently, you can't stomach Missouri, but you're okay. Remember when the quarterback left to go to Oregon? Guess what? The athletic director put out flowers to that quarterback. Oh, you're the greatest leader. We love your family. Blah, 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 blah. Offensive lineman goes, guess what? People lose their mind. Hey, Dan, I would like to say I took your advice on Ugg boots, but I can't. I'd rather say great minds think alike because I bought the boots a day before you mentioned it on your show for my beautiful girlfriend. You do have a beautiful girlfriend. That's right. Uh, On top of that, I used a great advice from Goody Jen and bought the boot spray. To help in the event she gets them dirty and happens to spill coffee on them, which she did with her last pair. I also got her a shark, which is similar to a Roomba. She's a neat freak. I think she'll like the gifts I got her. Don't worry, a ring is not included. That will be a 2024 gift at some point. Hey, gritty chimes in. All GOP candidates need to remove themselves from the GOP primary in Colorado. Trump is not my preferred candidate, but crap like this makes me want to vote for him early and often. That's right. The Colorado State Supreme Court is way out of line. Democracy is under attack in this country. People need to wake up. You're right, and Gritty's a lawyer. We have smart people listening to this show. She's absolutely right on all accounts. I mean, its I think it's going to be overturned, but nothing's guaranteed when it goes in front of a judge or a bench or Supreme Court. Of course not. Cashman says this, I think the Bears should stick with Fields for now and not draft Caleb Williams. I'm not a Fields fan. But and did not like the draft pick, but the Bears are improving. They need a coach like Belichick to get them over the hump. Drafting a quarterback will set them back, stifle their momentum. Caleb Williams is Cam Newton, and Cam had three winning seasons his entire career. Hey, do me a favor. Follow the Cashman Wins. Go to CashmanWins.com and Cashman on Twitter. He's going to give you some good advice on gambling. He's not a site where you can bet on it. He just gives you really good advice. Smart. He's very, very smart. By the way, calling all my outkick folks January 3rd is a big day. It's the only place to catch OutKick's original and unfiltered show lives. It's going to be on our website. You'll be able to catch up on YouTube. But for all of our lives unfiltered, that's all you got to do right there. Head to watch the the watch tab on OutKick.com so you don't miss a beat. 2024, OutKick.com slash watch will be your one-stop shop for all things OutKick. That's OutKick.com slash watch. Coming up, we got hot women. We got deportes, which is sports in Spanish. And we got Joe Kinsey next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. It's time for screen caps. The recap without kicks, Joe Kinsey, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Hi, Joe. What's up, man? Man, I saw a lot of those ladies yesterday on the beach, and I got to tell you, they were looking at me, big boy. I did see an influencer on the beach. She literally put a camera on a stand, timed it, ran into the water. True story sat in the water. And some guy ran up and put a towel around or some big parka around her. I don't know. I don't know. So I saw an influencer, Joe, one of your people.
0: Uh, her content will probably be out like next week after she uh, photoshops it, Dan.
1: I should have asked. I did not. I should have asked, uh, what are you wearing and who are you with? I, I I should have, Joe. Hey, last thing before I let you, uh, we get into screen caps, Joe. Syracuse needs Kyle McCord. Syracuse needs a priest. I watched Syracuse last night. That was not great. Um, This free agency in college football, where are you at with it?
0: Dan, I can't keep up with it. I had a friend of mine ask me this week about a bunch of deals that were being made out on the West Coast. I said, I can't even keep up in Ohio, let alone the West Coast. I can't keep up with USC's doing in the transfer portal. I'm out on it, Dan. Just give me the games. I can't handle NFL free agency and college football free agency. There's no way, Dan. Look at my brain. It's too filled up with things to keep up with the college football free agency.
1: No, it's insane. I just saw that. Uh, well, I've seen that Arch Manning's making about three times more than what Brock Purdy's making. So we got that going for us. All right, Joe. Here we go. Let's go, Dan. It's the Green holiday. Caps. Oh, boy hello hannah how are you hannah
0: and i am starting to think that some of the producers on this show might be stalkers of hannah c palmer she's back again i didn't select this one dan your producers are fascinated with hannah c palmer by the way she's at the slopes this week it's a big week two-week period for instagram models at the slopes they love the ski slopes this time of year dan
1: what is this? Where where are the beautiful people? Is it Vale? Is it Reck- Breckenridge? Is it Sun Valley? Where are the beautiful people hanging these days, Joe? They love that Utah place. Where is
0: that in Utah they go to? Is I that Sun,
1: oh, I think that's Sun Valley. I think that's Sun Valley, big boy.
0: I think Sun Valley's where they all go. Uh they they still love Aspen, you know, the old standbys, but I think you're just gonna have to find the snow this time of year, Dan. I saw Yellowstone National Park doesn't even have snow to for the for the for the bears to roll around in. They don't have any snow out there. No, so you're gonna have to manufacture are gonna have to get in there and figure out, they're gonna have to get in their jets, figure out where the snow's at, and then fly
1: there. Park City is what my boys are telling me. Park okay, City, okay. Utah. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Next. Now who's this? This is Gabby.
0: Uh, She came to us this week, Dan, via a photo where she is wearing a vintage, not in this one, obviously, but she was wearing a vintage MTV shirt. And I figure I don't have any, she probably wasn't even alive the last time MTV actually played videos, Dan, but she loves MTV. She's an up and comer. She gets into
1: screen caps this week. Joe, somebody asked me this. I'd made a note to ask you, do these women make a lot of money doing this? It varies, Dan.
0: We know that if they get into the you know, the OnlyFans angle of it, they can make serious money. And now, Dan, Playboy is offering up their own, their own version of OnlyFans. So gobble up the money while you can, ladies, because eventually time will move on. Guys will move on with their Visa cards.
1: OnlyFans, you just sit there and look at women. Is that what you do?
0: Well, Dan, I think some of the lonely guys in the world, they think they're going to chat with the women. You know, there are guys that are very uh, despicable and very uh, scumbaggish. And I think yeah. they think that for $9.99 a month, they'll talk to a woman. So they pay the nine ninety nine, dollars They forget about it, Dan. Then their credit card gets charged for like five years. The women make a ton of money. That's the model. All
1: right. Uh, like when when I do an OnlyFans, how often do I have to get in front of the webcam?
0: I have no idea. Dan, I've never subscribed to an OnlyFans account. Maybe I do in 24. Maybe we test this out. But uh, I think you have to be on at least twice a day, morning and night. I think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like your radio show, but you're going to have to go, uh, you're going to have to do a night show.
1: Wow. It's yeah. a lot.
0: You should, Hello, Dan. Emma? You should just test this out. We should put you on OnlyFans, just like your show and see if it gets any money. Yeah. That great. Come That's on, a man.
1: good idea. Let's do it. That's a really good idea. Next.
0: Oh, Sabrina. Sabrina is like a two time. Uh, this is her return visit to screen caps. I, I don't know what this is, whether this is an orange that she cut up. I don't know, but she gets in this week if you're messing around with food on the beach, you get in. I, I think she was one that was in the trop—uh, not the tropics, the Middle East. I think she might have been in the Middle East. When they go to the Middle East, Dan, that typically tells you they are there for a, an assignment, Dan. So keep that in mind when you see them in Abu Dhabi.
1: What kind of assignment is uh, Sabrina on? What do you think she's up to these days?
0: Well, they're hired guns. I'm not saying Sabrina is. Uh, I'm not trying to slander the woman. But when they go to Abu Dhabi, Dan, typically they're being hired guns to uh, probably go to dinner and uh, maybe to uh, maybe do a movie. I don't know. But that's what they're up to. I've heard wow. from a lot of sources. That's why they go.
1: Wow. Abu Just, Dhabi, the home of the escort. A lot of money, I'm guessing, in escorts over uh, over the holidays, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, Dan, I mean, think about the lonely guys paying ninety nine nine ninety nine a month. They're, they're also rich guys that are willing. I mean, Jeff Bezos, look what he paid. For Lauren Sanchez, big money, Dan. By the way, congratulations! She's a billionaire now. She's getting married to Jeff. So
1: uh, we're gonna call ours according to my friend, the Cash Man. Only Dan. Only Dan. Oh yeah. my! God.
0: Look, cash money, Dan. Let's get this in twenty-four.
1: Let's get yeah, this we're gonna, money. we're gonna make it rain, yo. We're gonna make it rain, baby. It's the cash. We're gonna make it rain, Pac-Man style. Oh yeah! All right, next. Well, Hooters represent. This is,
0: this is uh Miss Hooters 20, 2023 Dan Emma Johnson out of Georgia. She uh I interviewed her earlier this year Dan she said she she was super nervous and then the next night she became Miss Hooters International. Uh congratulations. What a run it's been for her. She she had never been to Vegas. I think is this is the one that had never been to Vegas. She goes to Vegas, she wins it all, Dan. What a year for Emma Johnson.
1: Yeah, and so she came on the show with you. You interviewed her. Did you like her? Was she a nice gal? What was her What 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 was going on there, Joe? Very nervous. This was
0: definitely her first rodeo being interviewed. Dan, you know how it is when you get an interview subject where they just aren't used to the limelight. And Emma Johnson was there. She had to break the habit of just being quiet. If you're going to be Miss Hooters, you have to put on a performance. Emma learned it. She learned it on the Outkick, uh, you know, interview scene, and then she went. She went and won the title.
1: Nice. We create champions.
0: We create champions at Outkick.
1: Yeah. Well, we do because we we know who's uh, who's what, who's where, and who's an up and comer. Yeah. I do. I do got to ask you, I don't think, and this is just me, but I don't think the real Slim Swami has any problem performing in public. I feel like, you know what, Joe Diffel of John Deere Green Tractors has got himself a – I'd go look at a tractor, let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, Slim Swaney, she is uh, one of the classics, one of the veterans of Instagram – you know, when I see, I, this is an older photo, but the guys always go crazy for it, just like your crew did. They knew when they saw John Deere tractor, Slim Swaney, cowboy boots. This is pure outkick right here. She has been around for a long time, veteran of the scene. And uh, when she puts content out, Dan, alarm bells go off. I pay
1: attention. Joe, we're going to end it with some food. Money's tough. Economy's tough. Prices are up. Sometimes a good meal with family and friends is all you need. If you're struggling to buy gifts, pay bills, can't afford to go out for a solid dinner, message me and I'll buy you dinner. This is from chef Andrew Grohl at the Calico fish house. How about that? Spread the love.
0: Yep. Yep. We all love chef Grohl, a uh, big Fox supporter. He is one of the good guys in the industry, Dan, this guy cooks. I, I, by the way, I don't know how many different foods he can cook, but he is a master chef. Look at that, Dan. That's food you actually want to eat. That isn't something you can't pronounce. It's food us guys want to eat. Love it. If you're, I think he's in California. So Southern California, Dan, when you're out there for college basketball, Chef Grill's your guy.
1: It's a seafood chop house by Chef Grill and Lauren Grill, shucked and sheared the right way, double dipped in American gravy, Huntington Beach. California. C-A-L-I-C-O Fish House. Joe, I want you to have a Merry Christmas, my friend, and thank you for always being here for us.
0: Dan, thanks for always having me. It's an honor to even be a guest on this show. I love it. Merry Christmas to you and your family.
1: Thank you, Joe. Merry Christmas to you and your family as well. That's the great Joe Kinsey. You can catch Screen Caps every single day. And it is always good. It always delivers. It will be great. I'm debating. I am debating a couple bets. I forgot to give the boys the bets today because, well, it's Christmas time. And I was, uh, well, I actually have no excuse. Last night, Lee and I went on a date. I think I told you guys this earlier. We went on a date to Barnes and Nobles. Wasn't flashy. But I did buy a few books. The latest Beldachi. I did buy the Lincoln Lawyer book. Because I like nonsensical reading. I just got done reading a CAA book, creative artists um, that used to be my agent way back in the day, but I didn't like, I got bored with it. I got bored with self-important people. So sometimes I just go, well, anyway, uh, a couple of things that if you have a gambler in your family, let me tell you what you should think about doing. Think about getting them a subscription to the cashman. I mean, if your husband is a gambler, well, guess what? You want him to win, don't you? And the cash man will give it to him, and He won't cost you a lot of money. So, ladies, gentlemen out there, if you got a son, a daughter, an aunt, or uncle, whoever, that likes to gamble, go to the Cash Man Wins and sign up. Seriously. I mean, you look, ever since I've been doing uh, stuff with the sack attack, all I've been doing is winning. And a Cashy, same thing. I go, I, Cashy sends me stuff. I look at it, I do it, and I usually win with it. Now, look, there's no such thing as a lock and all that stuff, but hey, what the hell? I mean, if somebody in your life is going to try to win at gambling, then help them. Tell you another one, and um, I got a lot of people that ask me for gift ideas. I got Lee Uggs, but I didn't get to spray. I'll tell you what else I got her. If If your wife or your girlfriend likes to golf or a sport, then get her something relative to golfing or the sport see what I'm doing here because that makes them know that you accept them so I got the a couple of golf sweaters some pullovers because that makes them know that you respect them if they're a tennis player or pickleball great gift for a woman is a pickleball rack serious business it's a great gift it's not a good gift it's a great gift why is it a great gift because it means you support her activities and it's an easy gift you just go into somewhere and you go hey look i need a good pickleball racket that costs you 150 bucks and your wife your girlfriend your aunt your uncle your cousin your brother whoever the hell you're getting it for guess what they will love it and there's some thought behind it you always want to give a gift that has a little thought behind it as you get older now I'm getting Lee golf clubs. I'm getting her fitted golf clubs. Now she's not going to have them here, but that's okay. That's all right. All right. Gambling tonight. Yesterday I took the living hell. I mean, and it moved me up in this confidence pool. I took uh South Florida last night because I knew Syracuse was going to try to run the wildcat. Are you crazy? What are you doing running the wildcat? I got a quarterback. I turned it on Jared, who lives in Syracuse, my stepson. And I go, Jared, I got a number 98 at quarterback. What the hell is this? What are we doing here? Number 98? Holy cow. So in my confidence pool pick, I had put him at like 40, meaning I get 40 points if the right team wins. Most other people had Syracuse. I knew they were playing a Wildcat, so I jumped up from like twenty-eight to 6th in our confidence pool, the Steve Kleinman confidence pool. It's going to be the same thing tonight. UCF is taking on Georgia Tech. Now, Georgia Tech has screwed me once this year, but not this year. My house bet tonight for the weekend is this one right here. Take UCF, give the five and a half, or if you want to buy a half a point, get it to five if you can, and your toes are going to be tapping. Because UCF has a good coach. Gus Milzahn's a good coach, and he's got it figured out, and they're going to win by 20. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to be like, this is great. Dockage gave me a great winner. Now I can take the family out for dinner. I'm going to give you another one, but it's not till Sunday. I'm telling you right now. And I have been wrong. I think the house bet is like 10 and 4. And one of the house bets that I lost was the Bengals. They just beat the living hell out of the Colts. But I got to tell you, Sunday, 1 o'clock, I will take the Colts in two and a half, and the line is going up. The line is going up. The Colts were a one, one and a half point favorite, and then I looked at it this morning, and all of a sudden, it's two and a half. I don't give a damn that Taylor Heineke is playing. I don't give a damn. What's happening here is this, and I want you to listen to this. When you're in a confidence pool or you're betting bowl games, and by the way, the sack attack is a sexy five and one. The only loss was App State when Miami crapped the bed because their coach got a fat head, but I digress. Anyway, when you have a couple of things in play in the NFL, one of those things is you're changing quarterbacks this time of the year, and you're not exactly changing it to Joe Montana. You're changing it to Taylor Heineke, which is a good change because Desmond Ritter stinks. But when you're changing quarterbacks and you've got angst in the coaching staff, and here's what I mean by that. Arthur Smith is the coach. Arthur Blank is the owner and Arthur blank when asked to basically give Arthur Smith a vote of confidence said, yeah, we're evaluating this all at the end of the year. And you know what? That's the right answer. That's the answer you should give. It is, but I got to tell you, that's a formula for disaster. I'm going to bet plus two and a half and I'm going to bet the money line on the Colts because of the 84% rule. The great sack attack has taught me the 84% rule. In the NFL only, when you bet on the underdog, 84% of the time, if that underdog covers, they win the game outright. Very rarely is it – 16% of the time, not very rarely, does an underdog two-and-a-half cover, but it is only covers on the points. Two-and-a-half, two, one, you know – a two, one, you know what I'm saying. So I'm going to take the plus 120. I'm going to take the plus two-and-a-half points, and my toes are going to be tapping. I'm going to give you another one. And you're not going to like it, but I am going to like, it. uh, we just had dusty May on, and I don't have a line for this, but I thought I saw it yesterday. I thought I saw the line yesterday was Arizona given dusty 4 I'm going to take Arizona. I think this is a bounce back game for Arizona. I think Arizona is really good. I think Arizona is really big, really strong, really tough. And I think Arizona ladies and gentlemen is going to come out with a vengeance with a fire. And I'm going to take, I've not seen it here yet. But, again, I saw it earlier, and it was either four and a half or five, depending on where you looked. It's going to be a huge game. Arizona just got beat. I think Tommy Lloyd is a very good coach. I do. And I I think Dusty May is an excellent coach. I think a lot of people feel like they want Dusty May to be the head coach at Indiana at some point. He Probably will be. But the fact of the matter is this. Arizona's really good, and it took a hell of an effort by Purdue to beat him. It took two freshmen and sophomore guards scoring in the 20s. It took a ton to beat them. And I don't think, and again, I I just, I I believe, I believe in Arizona and Tommy Lloyd being one of the best teams in college basketball. I do. I do. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't know. A lot of people aren't thinking. A lot of people, whatever. But that's just what I'm saying. So right now, let's recap. I'm taking the Colts, two and a half. I'm taking that today, tomorrow, the night. I'm just taking it. And if I go down with it, I go down with it. And I'm taking the Colts on the money line. Taking Arizona, I'm not going to go to nine or 10. I'm not doing that. If it goes up that high, then I'm not going to touch it. I forgot my other house bet. What was my other? Oh, yeah. UCF today, five and a half. If you want to get rid of the hook, I highly recommend it. A lot of people don't like buying stuff. A lot of people don't want to don't want to buy. I want to buy. And I want to buy because, well, frankly, I don't like the hook. I, I I, would rather get beat by 100 than get beat by the damn hook. I would. The hook will drive you crazy. The hook shall not set you free. All right. Having said that, I want everybody to have a great Christmas. Like, I cannot thank all of you enough. Seriously. All of you enough. I, I, I can't. For what you all have done i cannot thank you for making our show very very popular you know every day people come on this show on youtube and i hope you will come when we head over to outkick.com i do i hope this chat continues i'm not people have asked me will there be a chat i don't have the answer to that i honestly don't know Uh, i hope there is i hope in that right now one of the Nick sends me a text or Aaron or Gary and says, yeah, there'll be a chat because I really enjoy this. I do. I really enjoy going to the chat and seeing things like this. Van Pastor Man, a pastor says, when I was at Moody Bible College in Chicago, Hooters was a couple blocks away. I always joked it. Isn't that professor so-and-so coming out of there? Nobody laughed. I would have laughed. I would have laughed. I'm just saying. I would have laughed. Keith M says, the best gift is cash. I amend it to say, Keith says, I amend it to the best gift is cash to me. Yeah, he's not wrong about that. He uh, He's not wrong. Dan, are you and Lee playing pickleball today? The answer is yes. The answer is we will be out on the court. Yesterday, Lee and I destroyed Tegan. And, Jared, I mean, we destroyed him like it was our job. But, uh, yeah, uh, you guys are all welcome at my house. Dave Renard says, Dan, I took my 10-year-old grandson to the boiler game. He's type 1 diabetic. seven two. Will Berg, backup center from Sweden, is also type 1. I'm sorry, type 1 diabetic. He signed Mavs Ball, the grandson. His Dexcom and took a selfie with him. That is a pretty damn good 10th birthday. The question to me is, do I like eggnog? I'm good with eggnog. I don't mind eggnog, but eggnog is one of those drinks that makes me want more. I'm not really big on the rum in the eggnog. I, 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 am not big on sweet drinks. Like if you're going to ask me, somebody asked me the other day, what do you like to drink on a golf course? I always tell them the same thing. You know, before I play, I kind of like a shot of Jack. You know what? My body kind of hurts. My back hurt. And you know what? A good shot of Jack gets me right. Now people say, well, why not beer? Well, it takes too long. And, Yeah. Well, why not something? I don't know. You know, you like what you like and having a sweet drink has never been my thing. Never just isn't. But again, you got all these people here that are on our YouTube chat. You got all these folks here that come every single day. We're going to be back at it on Tuesday, Monday. We're dark as they say in the industry, but I want everybody to have a whole weekend worth of great great Christmas memories. I hope you get a chance to spend time with your family. I hope you get a chance to see your kids. My son isn't going to make it out here and I'm very sad about that. They had a game last night and he's got things he's got to do and traveling one day to stay here one day, then traveling back uh, isn't going to work. But he's got places to go, his mother and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to miss him. But I hope you get the opportunity to tell people that you love you love. And to all you haters out there, we love you too. We ain't mad at haters. We like our haters. In fact, I would argue that we don't have enough haters. I think my New Year's resolution is that, you know what? We want to get more haters. We want to get more hateful articles. We want to get more people in the media disliking that. Don't you think that's a good one? While we help people all over the great city of ours, which is what we're going to do, we want more haters. We want more people to get angry. Robert, thank you. Dave, thank you. Royce, Linda. Ross, Joe to the C, Kevin, Van Pasterman, Linda SD, who's your daddy? I thank all of you guys for being here. 24-inch dubs, as always. I think I said Linda SD. Asino the Wise, appreciate your hate every day. Lick, love your hate every day. Gritty, you are and will always be absolutely awesome people ask me why don't you guys tell gritty a real name because there's perverts out there and we protect women damn it it's what we do all right everybody have a massive yes our show will still be on facebook patriot thank you kevin wolf thank you have a wonderful wonderful christmas merry christmas to you all hope you stay safe hope you have fun hope it's full of love gifts and joy merry christmas